0: Today's she'er is for Shalema. Was sponsored for Yaakov Tzvi Ben Shendel. Should have a complete and total R'fuah Shalema. Take it from a Yad, Mamish. Only a lot of bracha. Okay, so I'm getting off to a late start uh, because of whatever good reasons. Not such good reasons. Whatever it is, but it's, it is what it is. Ah. Uh. Yeah, this week is Parshas Lech Lecha, and um, all the Mamarim and Lakutti Torah we learned already on this Parsha and Torah or, we learned in this Parsha, so I have to get creative and figure out what we can learn. Um, there is probably amongst Mamarim uh, discourses in in in, in the uh, there is quite a few probably on Parshas Lech Lecha that I, we didn't learn, um, but I'm trying this year to see if, as much as I can, to stick to these two svarim, Lakuti Torah and Torah Oir, which were the original books that we wanted to study and hopefully complete. In order to do that, um, I need to learn certain weeks, the Maimarim and Shir Hashirim, in Song of Songs, which are spectacular Maimarem. And I'm, so I'm trying to always find, in a parsha that I don't have any more reminder, um, do we have a mimer and shir hashirim that correlates to the parsha? So um, one of the things I checked was was were, was any of the maimorim the Alter Rebbe said that the shir hashirim discourses because there's a whole section on shir hashirim. Did any of them did he say any of them in Parsha's lech lecha? And as I looked through the times when these discourses were said. I did not find a lech mimer that he should. Have said a she'er hashira mimer on lech lecha. So I was then decided to look more at content and see if I can figure out a mimer that, in content, relates to the what's this, the the concepts of the parsha. And uh, what I came up with that in this week's parsha, Abraham says to Sarah, "Behold, you're beautiful." And he's taken by her beauty and he has to worry because of, the, of, of Pharaoh, the Egyptians, and he's concerned and he has to kind of do something to protect her because of her beauty. So in Shir Hashirim, in Song of Songs, just like Avram tells his wife Saro, Oh my gosh, you're beautiful. Hashem says to the Jewish people the same thing. Oh, you're so beautiful. And so the mimer is uh, that, that the Altareb said, this was actually said in Shabbos Parshas, Shlach Tav Kuf Samach That is uh, 206 years ago Tav Kuf Samach That's when he said it um, What was the connection to Parsha Shlach I don't know And as we learn the Mimer hopefully we'll find more of a connection to Parsha Shlach um, I was traveling this week, and I—that's where we're starting late as well. So I don't um, don't feel that I learned this minor well at all to teach it, but with Hashem's help, maybe something will come out with God's help. Okay. So the pasuk says, "Hinech <inaudible> It's this pasuk is actually repeated twice in Shir Hashirim. First. Not exact same Pasuk, but the same phrase. First it's mentioned in Peric Aleph in the first chapter of Song of Songs. It says in uh, chapter one, verse number fifteen. <speaking in Hebrew> behold, my be- my my beloved, you are beautiful. Hinech <speaking in Hebrew> behold, you are beautiful. <speaking in Hebrew> Your eyes are like are dove-like. That's the, the first phrase. Then he continues. He says a third time, Oh, so he she answers back now. the The bride answers back to the to the groom, "Hincha yafa doidi, Behold, you are beautiful. you're also pleasant. Fine. So that's in Song of Songs chapter 1 in chapter 4, the opening verse of chapter 4, again we have the same expression hinach yafa reyasi behold my bride you are beautiful hinach <inaudible> yafa behold you are beautiful <inaudible> your eyes are like doves exact same phrase But here it continues with more from your kerchief. And it continues discussing her beauty. A few verses all about the the various comparison of how he is singing her praises. Fine. So we know that. Song of Songs is a is a obviously it's a song where God is singing the praises of Israel and Israel is singing the praises of Hashem. Um, but it also obviously has a mystical meaning as it's referring to the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish and the souls and the souls of Israel. So Hashem is speaking about the beauty of the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is the root of our souls. And discussing the, and describing the qualities of the soul. So let's read over here. behold my beloved, you are beautiful. behold you are beautiful. and you are Your eyes are dove-like. so why does it say twice, Hinech twice? It's a it's a it's a it's a repetition behold you are beautiful behold you are beautiful who because the beauty that we're referring to is the beauty that was revealed when the Jewish people received the Torah and when we received the Torah we received it that was the time of our wedding so that's when we presented ourselves to God and we were attractive to Hashem and in our attraction that we had to God it was our what what, what actually um, brought about that Hashem, that God uh, proposed, now He actually proposed earlier, but that it, it, it called forth the boundless love of Hashem to the Jewish people, was related to our response when God asked us to, take, give, to, to receive the Torah, we said Nasa and Nishma, so, nasa means we will do, and nishma we will hear. So the repetition over here, "You are beautiful," "You are beautiful," the Alter Rebbe says, is referring to the beauty that was displayed in us saying we will do, we're accepting the commandments, and also that we will hear. We will do is the first level, and then we will hear. So for the the beauty of the deed. And the beauty of the, of the listening, of the hearing. So, one corresponds to Nasa, and the second one corresponds to the Nishma. Okay. So, to understand this, what's, what's the beauty of Nasa? What's the beauty of we will do? And what's the beauty of Nishma we will hear? So, he says, let's first understand what means Hinech Yafa Re'asi. Because the the, the the pasuk says referring to, 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 to the to the soul as beautiful, and God refers to us first as reyasi, which simply means my bride, my beloved. The second time when he says hinehyafa, you're beautiful, he doesn't say my beloved. So the first time he does say my beloved. So when we say my beloved, reyasi, which means my bride, my beloved, he says, the word reyasi has more than one meaning. Yesh It has two explanations of what the word means. echad. And the two of them are connected. Even though they seem to be very complete, two distinct ideas. But both of them are, if they're both in the same word, both interpretations of the same word, they must be linked together one of them, is based on what the sages say in the Midrash. The Midrash on the Pasuk, to the horses of the chariot of Pharaoh, I compare you my complete one. That's a Pasuk. So on that Pasuk it says, over there as well it uses the word Re'asi, which again, most people don't blink an eye, Reyasi means my beloved, but the Medrash translates the word Reyasi from the word Mireh. Mireh means pasture. So Reyasi means the one that pastures me or the one that uh, supports me. So the Medrash takes the word Reyasi and says Mefar the one that gives me my livelihood. Now, that would be very, very befitting for us to speak about God. If we're the one, if the bride is speaking to the groom, we're saying, wow, you know, you take care of me. I rely on you. You support me. You feed me. But it wouldn't make any sense that God, who is the feeder of, who's the one who feeds everyone and everything comes from Him, what does that mean that He would be saying to us, "Reyasi, you are my... You are my supporter. You are the one who, almost like my shepherd, the one who takes cares for me. In what sense are we caring for God? Which means that He is needs our our sustenance. Right? Reyasi means my sustainer, the one who sustains me. So the medrash has an interesting thing that we're sustaining our Father in Heaven. That even though we are the beneficiaries of God's blessings, but on the other end it's a two-way, it's a two-way uh, street. We receive from him, he sustains us, but we sustain him as well. And where were the Jewish people sustaining God? Well when the temple stood, every day we brought him his lunch and his dinner, his breakfast and his dinner. And those were the two offerings that were offered daily. Two sheep, one sheep in the morning and one sheep in the afternoon. And that was feeding, feeding the Almighty. And therefore, God says, you know, you have sustained me. Reyosi, you nurture me. Obviously, it's something that's completely incomprehensible. What kind of sustenance means that if not without that sustenance I can't live how can we say that on God that without us giving him a sheep in the morning and a sheep in the afternoon uh, he's not doing too well he needs to be fed but that's what it is so over here when God says your beautiful reyasi the meaning of reyasi means my caretaker, my sustainer the one who takes care of me the Azal and the sages say, and in a sense you can say Rayasi would be the 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 um, the term that is used for my beloved bride, but in a, in a human relationship, maybe you know he he's the breadwinner. And 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 earns the 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 monies that are needed to support to support himself and his wife and the family and so on and so forth, but if she is the one who's actually um, taking that and translating that into into edible uh, sustenance into food, then she is the sustainer. So you can refer to your bride to your wife as reyasi, the one who feeds. You know she. She makes him a good chicken soup. She, she cares for him. She takes care of him. So she's a sustainer. The only problem is, how does that work with us and God? How do we sustain him? But God says, you know, feed me. Actually, when it comes to the carbonis, when it comes to the sacrifices, the karbanis are called my bread. That's what the Pasuk says. As karboni lachmi, it's my bread. So if it's my bread, it means that there's some kind of Sustenance that God is getting out of from our our, our service from our worship to Him. Uh and the sages say, Yisrol, Metharnasim, Sheba Shemayim that the Jewish people sustain their Father in heaven. We give livelihood to our Father in heaven. But obviously, that needs explanation. What does that mean? Now, it says in another Pasuk, now this idea that a sustainer in the relationship that we have. This idea that God is that there is this sustainer. We 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 have many places, but over there it's the opposite. Over there it's Hashem sustaining us. Uksiv it says in the pasuk, R'oye Yisrael Hazina, the shepherd of Israel, listen up." Who is that referring to? Over there, God is the shepherd of Israel. Like David HaMelech also says, Hashem roi, you are my shepherd. You are my, the one who sustains me, feeds me onto the... So roi Yisrael ta'apirish, over there the meaning, yeshu hu roya, that Hashem is the one who who pastures, hu mefar nishmas Yisrael, and he is the one who sustains the soul of Israel. and as it also states in, Yecheskel in, in, in Ezekiel, oisam." In good pasture, I shepherd them. and it says another pasuk. kashtoy. When Yaakov is giving the, no, when I think Moshe is giving the blessings to Yosef. He says and he and he settled beason in a strong place kashtoy his bow. Misham, from that place, Royah Evan Yisrael. He's nurtured Misham from that place. Royah is the is the nurturer, Evan Yisrael, the rock of Israel. Again, referring to God as the Ro', as the as the shepherd of Evan Yisrael, of the rock of Israel, which means the sustainer of Israel. So these are all Psukim where we find. Which the idea of a shepherd in the relationship. But the only thing is that in all those places it's, it has the opposite meaning. That Hashem is our sustainer. Ksiv bi it also says in yecheskel, kivakaras roya edroy, just like the inspection of a roe, of a shepherd, edro his flock so I inspect my sheep my flock again another Pasuk, emphasizing the shepherd element in the relationship now interesting i guess this is a, 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 a footnote a the Tzemach the we say this in the in the uh, in the liturgy, in the Davening, in the poetry, so to speak, on Rosh Hashanah, during an Osana Tokev in the highlight of davening, we say Edroy, like, like a like a shepherd inspects his, his flock. Because that's a particular season in the year when God is particularly involved in nurturing us, in shepherding us. He's shepherding us amongst the roses. Which we know during that, the whole idea of Elul, Elul, Zanila, Dodi, which reaches its peak on Rosh Hashanah, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, when we're being pastured amongst the roses. So Hashem is then being the Roach. And as we also say in Birchas Amazon and Benching, Roy einu our shepherd, Zayneinu, our sustainer, parnus Our Our um, zoseenu means our nurturer, parnus Our sustainer. But al kapanim, what we have over here is that the word re'asi is related to the word roeh. But if Hashem is calling us re'asi, you are my. Ro'e, it's saying that we are sustaining him. So that's one pirush in the word reyasi. The second meaning of the word reyasi is the simple meaning. It means my beloved, my beloved bride. And the second pirush in the word reyasi, hukipshutai is the simple meaning. Lashen reyus, it's a lotion of Friendship. Va'ava and love. Come like it says, because it comes from the word re'echa. In this case would be, oy re'echa ashe Or your friend that is like yourself. You love like you love yourself. Um, I think that's actually the friend that you love like you love yourself is referring to one's spouse. So we're talking, so because even though I'll be pastist, the word re'echa, v'ahavta love your, your fellow, your friend. That's the word re'echa. But I guess we're, deal, we're dealing not with a more than a regular friendship. We're dealing with a deeper love. So that's why he brings the pasik re'echa ashe the, the friend that you love like yourself. And it says, another passage, for the sake of my brothers, and my dear friends. I mean, what does he need? Is he, is he, is he trying to bring that a, a proof that Reim means friends? I mean, maybe, again, it's talking about, just like when it says, for my brothers and friends. So the fact that you put friends next to brother, Emphasizes again a very deep connection, a very strong bond, a very deep love. even it says in the passage, he is my beloved; the and he is my dear, dear, dear friend." So the two, so so we have two 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 meanings in the word reyasi, my Hashem's. Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people, are the sustainer, are Hashem's sustainer, and Knesset Yisrael and the Jewish people are also His beloved. But what's the connection? Why he says He said in the beginning that both of them are deeply related. So how does that work? The Indian and the idea is as follows: Like by way of analogy, Lamata down here below, she the that the bonding and the attachment of the soul with the body <inaudible> comes about through food <inaudible> that when a person eats bread what does food really accomplish let's get to the panemius of food obviously we have to strip away over here the externalities and get to the panemius because we're referring to God obviously God doesn't have when we're saying he eats that he's being sustained that can't be understood in the way of physical type of eating so let's get into the deeper, the deeper essence of food. The intended purpose of eating is that it keeps you alive. That means that if a person doesn't eat for a while, uh, there is a certain weakening, and they are weaker and weaker. As we all know, if we're very if we haven't eaten, that we don't have any strength, and we haven't eaten for a longer period of time, we really don't have any strength. You can't You can't hardly, you know, do anything. And chas Shalom if we extend that to even a longer period of time, it can lead to a person's starvation, and the person can die of starvation, sadly, where the soul would completely depart from the body. So what does food do? Because it's more or less a constant in our life, um, we don't always appreciate, it's just, okay, I'm hungry, I eat, but it's true function. True function is it food keeps you alive you need food to live and how does food keep you alive what does it do somehow being alive means that the soul is invested in the body and what happens the opposite of being alive is when the soul departs the body so when if food extends your life for another couple of hours then you eat again and it extends your life again for a couple of hours that really means is that food keeps body and soul together how does food keep body and soul together? What's how, how does that work? So he explains. We find... The bonding and the attachment of the soul with the body, Ui is through the food. Now how does it work? So we obviously there has to be something... We have to, we have to, we have to, we have to get a little further into the eating process in order to. like, Why in the world would your soul, that it's completely spiritual, um, vest itself in the body just because, you know, you had a, you had something to eat? How? Because you had a sandwich. What relationship does it have? So he explains, because when a person eats their bread. So the first thing that happens is the food gets processed. It's not just staying what it is. It gets broken down. The food gets processed in a person's intestines. In the so first it goes through a breakdown where the body breaks down the food through the enzymes and so on and so forth to its tiniest particles. And once it's broken down, then the nutrients that are in the food, and the vitamins, the nutrients, the good stuff that are in the food, and the best of the food gets absorbed in the body. Now, if it remains food, it's not really good. It's not going to work. It's an incredible system of conversion. The body will convert the food into energy. It will, do, it will convert the food into energy. It will also convert the food into blood. What happens? The best of the food. But obviously only the 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 the, 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 the positive good nutrients, vitamins, and whatever else that's in that's in the food gets extracted. Through the through the digestion, the digestive process, and through the incredible mechanism that God has created, is that it's able to like break break it down, take out the panemius of the food, turn it into um, turn it into the as he says over here, turn it into blood. Now blood blood is the is the um, Trans- blood is what really transforms um, the body into a living being. Because the blood is the fluid of life. And why is that? Because the soul vests itself in the body through the blood. The soul needs to attach itself. Like we said, we learned it last week in the parsha and parsha Noah, it mentioned that about the prohibition of of, of 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 consuming blood. It says over there ki adam because the soul is the blood. Now, obviously, the soul is sp- spiritual. But it says in uh, in Hasidus it explains that what does a spiritual soul have to do with blood? Obviously, it's one of God's wonders that He attaches soul and body. But the way it re- the way it's kind of. Has the system? The, what, what makes kind of a little bit of sense is the blood is hot, and the heat of the blood creates some kind of a some kind of a steam, and in that more refined steam, the the that's where the, the, the in the heat of the blood, the the the, the spiritual soul. If you can say in the soul anything, then the soul is complete, utterly spiritual. But we might say the lowest point of the soul, meaning the closest it gets to the physical that's within the soul, attaches itself to the, to the spirit that's within the physical, which means that heat that, that rises or that, that is within the blood somehow is able to capture... That, that nefesh. And that's how one flows into the other. The soul flows into the blood. Again, I don't know if this is something that uh, has a scientific way of testing uh, other than the fact that we're alive. And we know that the life is related to the blood. And if too much blood leaves the body, then the person doesn't live. So... But how does the blood, but the blood needs to be regenerated continuously. And that comes from the food that we eat. Gets converted into the soul, the blood of the soul. And the blood, so where does that attachment happen? In other words, the carrier of the soul is the blood. But weird is that has, there's a certain place where, where 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 body and spirit meet, where they converge, where they where the where the where the where the um, where the spiritual soul somehow um, metamorphosizes, if you can say, or 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 gets links itself up with a physical body so that it it's really a wonder if you, if you if you it's it's really mind-boggling to figure to see how a spirit suddenly becomes a, a, a enlivener of something of a physical of a physical machine but where does it happen it it happens in the blood but at which point it doesn't happen in the body in the in all over the body it has a point of connection where does that point of connection happen? So he says like this: the oil of the the blood rises to the heart, because we know there's the blood circulation; it goes to the heart. And from the heart, the best of the blood, meaning not the blood as it is. Again, I'm not a uh, biologist or a biologist or a, or a doctor to be able to give you the, uh, the the science of this but what it says over here in the mimer is that the best of the blood the cleanest of the blood the finest of the blood travels to the brain now does that mean it's the same quality it's not the same quality blood again I'm just telling you what it says over here in the mimer a finer more refined element of blood somehow makes it up to the brain the cleanest of the blood, the finest of the blood, in the brain. At that, that's where body and soul meet, and that's the point of the connection. Once the spirit connects to the blood that's in the brain, life is then through is then through the blood um, through the blood circulation uh, circulates through the entire body. And even the feet or the toes come alive from that life force. But it has to first make its connection up there in the brain. But for that there needs to be this life juice. This life liquid. And that is continuously refreshed through the food that we eat. So the food that we eat through this process of digestion extracts certain nutrients, minerals, whatever it needs and incorporates that into the bloodstream increasing continuously the blood what happens with the old blood? why does it need to be continuously refreshed and new? does some of the blood get used up? and lessened? I'm not exactly sure but that's, and that's the process of eating, and that blood rises to the brain, and over there is where the attraction happens, where spirit and matter converge. to the brain. just like this is in the physical anatomy, the physical and, and the physical aspect of the human being. Kamoy yuvan the same as also will be understood above. When we talk about the universe and the soul, the universe is also a great, ginormous, ginormous, ginormous body, and in this universe is infused the soul. The soul is the divine, is God's God's energy as the soul of the world. Here too, the two have to link up with each other. Now, when we say the universe, we can talk about the physical universe, but we can also speak about the spiritual realms as well. They, too, are considered only a body. The entire sum totality of all of creation, whether it's the physical world or the spiritual worlds as well, they are all part of this great ginormous body, and it needs to be enlivened. God is the life force pulsating God's light energy that pulsates within the universe to create and sustain the world. Where does that point of connection happen? It happens in the brain of the universe. What's the brain of the universe? The brain of the universe are the spherot, the attributes, are the first kalim, these are the first, these are the inner, and within the, within the attributes, primarily the highest of the attributes called Chokhmah. That's the brain. Chachma that's where the brain is. But they, the attributes themselves are already attributes. They're, they're, they have certain limitations, certain, uh, and therefore it's not, it's, it's not self-sustaining. It, it's, it's a body. And in there has to come the soul. But that's where the soul connects. It means God connects to the chabad of Vatcilos. And Chachma bin Nadasa that's where the connection happens. But for that connection to happen, this, this 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 bond of spirit and matter, so to speak, on a cosmic level, for this to happen, the cosmos need to eat. To keep. And what's that eating? Torah study, the mitzvah observances of the Jewish people is somehow what's pulling in these nutrients that's entering into the bloodstream that's rising up to the highest sphere of the Chabad, chachma, of Atsilus, bringing blood there, strengthening the brain and somehow over there in the brain of of the universe is where the attraction is happening that the life force is attracted to the brain to the body and links up with it And and from there all of existence is sustained so obviously those that are preparing the food and generating that that they're the ones feeding all of creation and this is called feeding our Father in Heaven. Our Father in Heaven refers to the first primal recipient of life. It's not God Himself. Father in Heaven is referring to the first recipient Chachma is called Father. The brain, the Chabad, is called Father. Chachma of Atzilos, Atzilos is called Heaven. Chachma, our Father in Heaven, is Chachma of Atsilus. We sustain it What happens if you don't eat? The brain gets weak. Your brain gets weak because it's lacking blood. So the brain gets tired. And when the brain gets tired and weak, it doesn't have that ability to pull the soul. That's, God forbid, the opposite. It can cause the opposite of life. So the empowering and the strengthening of the brain is crucial to... Keeping the world in existence. As he explains over here. And the question is, why can't the ain't-sof, God wants to enliven the world, that's it. Let his life flow enter into creation on its own. Well, why does the soul need continuous stimulation to keep the soul attracted to the body? That's because the body is very limited. The soul... Uh, doesn't need the body for its own for its own sake. So the soul would rather just be a soul. For the soul to link up with a body and to uh, kind of carry all this heavy, heavy you know pull this eighteen wheeler truck along with itself, why does it need it? The body, the soul is not that interested in it. That's the food, for whatever reason. The strengthening of the brain causes the body to be strong and to assimilate the soul into the body. So too, when God, it's infinitely more that there really shouldn't be any interest of His infinite energy and life force to vest itself in this insignificant universe. You might, you might say insignificant universe The universe is ginormous. The universe is endless. So, of course he's going to sustain it. No. As he's going to explain now, all of creation, all of the worlds, are just one fleeting thought. That's what it is. All of time and space. The entire project of time and space. That means all of history and all of space. Both spiritual space and physical space. And spiritual time and physical time. The entire project of of existence is one tiny little fleeting thought that can very easily completely become disconnected from the power, which is God. And if God forbid it becomes disconnected from the power, it's, it's God. So we need it to be connected to the power line Continuously. Which means the power line has to have an interest investing itself in it, in that thought. And that is the eating process. It's the food, it's this cosmic food process that keeps the power attracted to this thought, which means going into the brain of creation first, and from there infusing to all of existence. Because the Infinite One blessed is He. There's no comparison to Him at all. And also all the emanations, all the emanations, including Chabad, HaShiva, are all considered not. All the emanations. That means the. the... And the entire coming into being of the ten Sephiroths, which are. They're only coming from one, one thought. Which had occurred in God's, in Hashem's thought. I want to be a king. That one thought that I want to be a king brings about brings about um, the creation of all of all of existence. This one thought of God wanting to be a king. This is the life force of all the worlds. Everything owes its existence to that one thought, I want to be a king. When he says it's one thought meaning that just like we have thoughts, we have gazillion thoughts, and one thought is just one thought of our, uh, out of our gazillion thoughts, so too, the, 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 the all of creation and all of existence is just a one, one thought. But this thought has to be kept up, as opposed to where we, we have so many thoughts that we think and we don't keep them up. The thought comes and goes and is gone. And if that would happen, poof, to everything. The thought that I want to be a king is only one thought in terms of its intrinsic value compared to the rest of the power and the thinking power of God, but yet he keeps this thought alive. He, God keeps this thought on his radar continuously. And every flower... That is growing. Every star, every distant galaxy, every tiny little squid deep in the ocean, is being energized by this one thought. Because it's all part of God's empire, in which He wants to be a king over. See, this thought, is the, thought is, the, is, the, is the life force of all the worlds. And since, what is the what is, know, he wants to be a king, he, he needs an empire. And everything that exists is part of this empire. So, but what's the premious of it? What does he want out of it? It's to be a king. And to be a king means to be taken seriously. And therefore, those that manifest his kingship, because the inner desire is to be served, served, and and uh, there should be a deep submission and a and 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 he gets whatever kind of a delight and a pleasure out of the servitude of his servants. So we have to look within the cosmos, within all of creation, within all of the universe and find what is the serving element. The serving element of the 613 commandments. What is his deepest desire for what he wants should be done. And that comes out, is the inner, 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 inner nerve and point that sustains all of creation. That's what we say. It's not a joke when we say, for the sake of Israel, God creates the world. We actually generate creation every second. Because take the... Service of the Jewish people out of the picture and there's nothing to justify this entire project in God's mind. The only thing that justifies it is daily observance of commandments. Which is, is, what is the idea of a commandment? Not a good deed. The idea of a commandment is that God is king and we're his subjects. He's the boss. And that's what he says. Let's hear this amazing line here. Since this thought is to be a king, and this is what sustains everything, Al nemar. That's why it says, my dove, you are num- you are one. You are number one. You are you are." My Hashem refers to the Jewish people as his as his servants, as his dove. But he says, "Achas, you are you are just one." What does it mean, one? You are all that matters because you are that one thought. There is this infinite, huge existence that, that the mind can never, ever, ever perceive, conceive and understand even not one iota, one tiny nothing of the magnitude and the magnificence of all that exists, of all of creation. And yet all of that Is, is is hinged and being fired up and sustained by the pleasure he gets from the daily activities of mitzvahs being done. Because that's where he's being served. He says, Now where does this servitude happen? The servitude happens on the lowest rung of existence. In other words, notwithstanding the fact that we learned two weeks ago when we learned the discourse all about the song of the angels, how they're singing, and the souls in heaven, how they're singing the most magnificent song, and the celestial beings are serving... God is not being a king over there. That does not satisfy his kingship. His kingship is in the very, very, very external world, in the very, 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 very lowest form of existence where the choice is at every moment, will you obey or will you will not obey? Will you do the mitzvah the way God wants it? Will you not do the mitzvah? And when you choose to obey, you're satisfying God's desire to be a king, and that's sustaining all of creation and all of existence. That's it. And that's why God says, you're it. My dove, you're it. You are the power in that one thought. It's everything. It's not just important. It's the everything of everything is that one thought. Now he says, So it's really, it's all one thought. So all of creation, all of existence is one thought of kingship. All boils down to Achas, to that. And if you think about it, it's all the mitzvahs and all the observance from Avram Avinu until today, it's one point of observance. It's that one bowing down to the king. It's Adam Arisham bowing to God. This is all the details. The details expresses itself in every single Jew and every single circumstance doing a particular mitzvah that it has to be done right in this place at this point of time. But it's really just one fulfillment of one, one desire. I'm a king, achas, and therefore he says now something that explains a lot. The exile seems to be going on forever, close to two thousand years. Here's the painful thought. In God's eyes, it's all just a tiny little, 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 little fragment of that one thought. And therefore, it's just a second. It's a split second. The entire length of time of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, which seems like it's forever. To God it's one second. Moshe as it says, I hid my face for for an instant. For an instant. It's a long instant. But that's what it is. It's an instant. It's a a second. What's the connection? The connection is that from the infinite perspective, from, from God's infinite place, all of creation is really in a nothing. It's dearly important to him because of one thing. Because of the mitzvahs that you and I do, all of us. And every time we go beyond our personal desires to take God seriously and do his will, that's it. That's touching at the deepest, innermost point and keeping God interested in creating and sustaining the worlds, the ilazos and as a result of this, So this one thought, maoid, very very great limitation. It's a very constricting. If we say that all of creation and all of existence is just one one thought. So for Hashem to pay attention to this one thought amongst the infinite potential of other thoughts and for him to concentrate and continuously think this thought and not forget this thought takes an enormous contraction of of his infinite light to something so tiny and small and in the beginning and the onset of creation. God did not charge to think that thought. In other words, he, he just thought it on his own. The Achshav, and now we need to stimulate the investment of Hashem into that thought. The laham we need to draw down continuously him into that thought. And to create an interest and a desire and a drive by him to enclose himself in this thought. That's it. And the mitzvahs are what cause this investment. Okay. So now you got to wonder. The strength. Oh, so he didn't explain really much other than, meaning, he didn't explain its relationship to eating. He explained the relationship based, I mean, he didn't explain much. So, what does it mean? So it's another place, as he explains it, not that much over here. In other places, he explains it that it's the, just like, the, the 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 brain, as we said earlier, in food. So to attract the soul to the body, you have to strengthen the brain. So so too, in this process, in the in the, in the on the on the grand scale, we have to strengthen the brain. To, to attract and why do the souls have that power because they arose in God's thoughts in other words because the the the, 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 um, the souls originate You have to say, if the souls can generate God's thinking about creation, if the souls are able to generate God's thinking of creation, that's what we're talking about. He has to think continuously, hold that thought, keep that thought alive, keep that interest alive. So they must precede that thought. Because if our existence is just in that thought, from within that thought, and that thought is meaningless on its own, then it would be powerless to be able to attract the thinker into the thought. So what he seems to be saying is, and that's what it seems when I was looking at the other maimarim, a little bit. I, like I told you I, I had very little uh, preparation here, but what it seems like is that um, there there needs to be somebody within the creation that is linked up with on a on a deeper level to the thinker of the thought to generate the thinker to think that thought. Because if that thought on its own, on its own is, is lacking merit to remain on God's radar, to remain in His thinking uh, thing, so there's nothing that that thought, because of its own lack of meaning or significance, so there needs to be something within God, within Him, Beyond that thought that stimulates him in that thought. That's the idea. So the Koyazeb, and Yisroel, the power that Nashamas have, they rose in thought. That means they rose in thought means they rise in their, their position in God's thought is higher than the ordinary thought, which is the thought of creation. The thought of creation is not on a level of olu. It's on a lower level. Olu means it's on it's the highest point of the thought. yisrael, and this is the idea that we say, Yidin They They sustain their father in heaven. What does that mean? They actually draw down, the father in heaven is lower than them. Than the root of their souls. Because their father in heaven already represents the highest point of creation. Father in heaven is the spherot, the, the three spherot that are the top of the of the, spherot, the first emanations, the first, as the Alta Rebbe says, net the first emanations. So, this is part the that's called Father in heaven. To sustain it means to draw energy into the brain. Because they have risen in thought prior to that thought, they can generate the, their, the energy to their Father in heaven. Which means to the to, to the to the Gilu uh, Shemefarnesim Shemamshichim. They're the ones who draw down Gilui Oirin Tsayf, the revelation of the Oirin Tsayf b'Machshava Ilah into the higher thought. Kamoisha Yadayamachol Mischazek Amoyach. Just like through feeding through food, the brain gets stronger. Shahareza His Chabres Aneshome Em which. Allows for the attachment of the neshama of the soul with the brain, and then afterwards, what happens? And from the brain, it will later be diffused or um, spread out to the heart and to all the other limbs. The same is also above. First, you have to attach the thinker of the thought to the thought, to that one thought. For that, you need someone. Who is plugged in beyond the thought. And that's the souls of Israel. They can direct him into the thought. But once he's drawn into the supernal thought, from there already, it gets drawn down already into all the the entire scheme of creation. From the supernal thought. Then it continues on already into all the nine other utterances and all to the more outer elements of creation and existence. But how do we draw him down? So we know that so the souls of Israel are the ones who will draw him down. With what? So for that, and that's why they're called reyasi, my sustainer. Because they, they, they do the same exact, they have the same exact effect, just like food has to bridge the soul and the body, the same is also um, the, 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 the souls of Israel bring the soul of creation into creation. But what's the second pirush in the world? Rayasi. Ach pirush de rayasi. The second pirush of rayasi means my beloved. Loshen ava vereus is love and friendship. So, what is it that pulls God in? How do they keep him invested in that thought? That's through their intense love for him, their intense love and desire. To cleave and to connect and to bond with God attracts Hashem into that thought. And that's why sustainer and love go together, because through their love, they bring about this sustaining. Through this, that they evoke their desire to Him that they shouldn't have any other desires. They should only have one singular desire to Him. Like we say, Who is to me in heavens? Meaning, who is going to satisfy me in heaven? No one. Who is going to satisfy me on earth? No one. The only one that is going to satisfy my desire is Hashem. Through this powerful yearning and desire of the souls of Israel, through this, we attract God into the world. As so we say, the anything that is with you, but it's not you, we don't desire. Through this, we evoke and we draw forth and we pull the supernal will that Hashem should lower Himself down, that He should enclose Himself into this thought. So obviously we understand that there's, this is a very powerful desire that is dear within our souls that can create this, this infinite bond between an infinite being and, and his creation. Now it says in the pasok, When I mentioned the psukim, I said two times, he says, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. But there's a third time as well. In Pereg in, Vav, in, in Shira Hashirim, in Pasuk dalit, it says, my bride, my sustainer, as we said now, you're beautiful. Ki like Tirtza. Nava, you are as pretty ki like Jerusalem. So, what is Tirtza? So just like Yerushalayim is a place, Tirzah is also a place. Tirzah was actually, he brings over here, was the Mitsudais David. This was a beautiful city. That had incredible architecture. And until Shomron was built, this was the, the uh city. Where the kings of uh, the uh, not the kings of David, the kings of Israel lived in that in that in that place in Tirzah. It was this beautiful place. So we're referring to God. We're saying Yafa at So what does this mean? What's the comparison to Tirzah, to this beautiful city Tirzah? in you know what the idea is and there's two levels in in in, in, ratzon, in will if ratson is so important our desire for God keep our interest in him keeps his interest in us and in as a result consequentially in all of existence so he says there's two levels of ratson one is a desire that is dwelling in a person's brain, in a concealed in a concealed state. When an intelligent person is going to contemplate the greatness of the Ein Sov, That gives birth and that arouses the desire in his brain. That means we all have a potential to really feel a strong desire to be in a relationship with God. But we have to give it some thought. We have to give it some, some, some... If they give it some time and some concentration for it to, because aneshama is aneshama, aneshama has one desire. Its deepest yearning is a, is, a, is a connection with its source. Its deepest yearning is a connection with God. But it's it's uh, not active necessarily in our conscious experience because we don't think about it. But if we meditate on God's greatness. So this will evoke and it will awaken an excitement in the mind. Now it doesn't mean that if a person is going to take 20 minutes to meditate on something, on God, that they're going to suddenly feel, become like Rebbe Levi Yitzhak of Berdichev and have a burning fire go ablaze. No. But it's going to create an excitement in the mind. But that's That's the beginning if one is going to do that as a daily exercise meditate and think and meditate to think eventually that desire in the brain is going to make its way to where the the, uh, the matches are to where the main fuel is So it's like this little fire that's creeping down the line. When it hits that place, it's going to create a major explosion. A fiery rapture. And that's the second level. The second level is when the love becomes all-consuming and completely madness. Every single one of us has to try to do that. That's what we're supposed to arrive during prayer. But if we don't arrive during prayer but at least we study a little Hasidus and from time to time we think a little bit about what's important in life and really think about God and at least st- come to a place where we feel the desire that we want to be in a relationship we want to be close that's called rutzo when it translates into the heart Into the fire of the heart It's called the burning of the heart It's called ru'usa So let's see when, a, when, when one is intelligent will think of the greatness of the ain't-sov Noyled will be give birth it will a, 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 awaken the desire in his brain so it says in Tanya chapter 16 but it still remains in the person's brain but it doesn't literally expand into the heart this is called desire in Hebrew. As it is known, he brings it the galgalta nikra ratzon. That um, the Gilgolas, which means the skull, is called the ratzon. Mitzchai is his forehead, which is the galgalta over here, the, the skull, the ratzon. We'll skip a little here from the parentheses. V'abay on the second level. giloi When the ratzon, the desire, the silent desire, reveals itself in the heart, literally. That means descends down into the heart. And then you literally start feeling a burning sensation in the heart. Then it's called the yearning of the heart. So there is a a desire of the mind and a burning of the heart. V'utar Now, interesting, the Zohar. This, this is a phrase, This is this is a term of the Zohar. Reusa deliba. But what is really ruusa? Ru'usa is really the Aramaic translation of the word ratzah. Ratzel means desire. Ruzzah is the also desire, but it's in Aramaic. Futargum shall Ratsan Shabaloshana Kodesh. It's the translation of Ratsun that's Allah Khadish. Kemoisha ha targum. Now, just like Targum, what's the idea of translating? In Yanayhu, what's its inyun? Pidish Alloshan Hakhoidosh Vigiluyov. What is the we have Targum and Chumash. Unkelis wrote a targum. When you have a Targum, the idea of translating is, you're taking something that you have already, but it is, it is obscure, it's hidden, because no one knows what it means. When the Targum comes and translates it, you reveal it. Just like before the class, I was looking for an English translation of certain psukim here, because I didn't know, so I read the translation, it was now became revealed to me. So translating, a translator is not bringing anything new. He's only opening up something that is there already and just revealing what has been what has been there already. merazal, like the sages say, Illa mola the high without the targum, if not for the uncle translating it, Loya my we don't know what he says. That means he said it already. It's there, but we wouldn't know about it. So now he's saying an interesting thing. He's saying the 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 the, the desire of the heart which is called ruusa, which is the translation of the word Ratzon, means that really the desire of the heart is nothing new. It's just revealing the potential that's there in that desire. In the mind, it's just a potential. When it goes into the heart, it's actualized. ruusa the desire of the heart, ha ratzon This is the revelation of the desire that's in the mind. Kikishem is galah harotz in vinim because when that rotzon reveals itself and is drawn into the heart, ze hu yoiser. This is called more revealed. Why Shahalev gashmi v'kariv luguf yoiser? The heart is more physical and closer to the body, mahamoyach than the brain. The brain is a little detached. Shabanim Perikut like explains in Tanya chapter 16, how the heart is closer, more of a physical power, meaning the excitement of the heart has more of a tangible physical um, excitement than the the abstract wishes and wants of the mind. So what we're going to say is like as follows, when the desire to God is still in the mind, it's still very much in the soul. It's still deep, it's still very deeply hidden in the soul. Even if you're aware of it and you're thinking about it, it's still considered hidden from, from the person, meaning from the physical body, because it's 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 very much a, 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 a an abstract experience when it comes down into the heart, it's already attaching itself more to the blood, to the physical dimension. And therefore it's more revealed to the... And this is the meaning of the difference between reyasi and tirzah. When are we called reyasi? Reyasi means my beloved, my passionate, my, my beloved that I love you with Passion and fervor and fiery love. Re'asi is when the Jewish soul is on fire for God, with a palpable fire in the heart. That's when we called re'asi. We have desire for Him, and as we said before, our desire and our passion pulls His desire, reveals His desire, pulls Him down into that thought to be to be in a relationship with us. The question is, do we need to have reyasi or could we have a desire of the mind also? Does it have to be revealed so far that as we said before, that basically the, intu- that the person is a burning flame to- towards God? Or is it enough if at least we have the desire of the mind? So the Pasik is saying like this, yofa at reyasi ketirza. Tirza is the desire of the mind. It's more from the word rutzon. Reyasi is the burning heart, so the burning heart is equal to the desire of the mind. Meaning, the the desire of the heart? You are beautiful. Reusa the the desire of the heart. Like the desire of the brain. Zau v'ahafda What it's saying is, Yofa'at, when are your reyasi When you can take... It's not that it's, 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 it's sufficient. Not that it's sufficient. I, was, I made a mistake. It's not that it's sufficient. It's saying like this. He, the Eibesher is talking about his attraction to us. He says, Yofa'at, you're beautiful. Reyasi, when you're fired up with love and that your heart is in sync with your mind. In other words, you're able you're, you're, you're manifesting your love of your of of that I know that's in your soul, but you're allowing it to, to 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 come forth and to consume you. That's when you have both your mind and your heart are now synchronized, are both are both in love with me, and then that's called vahavta, you should love. Because Vahafta is Gematria, 414. V'ahavta is 414, tough is 400, bays is 2, and then hay is 7, 8, 8 plus 6 is 14. Vahafta. Now, 414 is two times the word oil, light. Love is, is called light. Two times, or is two times love—the love of the mind and the love of the heart. <speaking in Hebrew> These two desires, <speaking in Hebrew> through this, that Nishmas <speaking in Hebrew> the souls of Israel, are awakened, both in their brain and in their heart that your outer desire, your re'asi, your more, a, is ketirza, is, basically God is saying like this, I know you love me deep inside your heart, but I want to see that on the outside as well. I don't want to see it just in the inner heart. Let that come out. Ayadei zema my love evokes, and this brings from above as well, giloy, ratzine elion, be'machshav achas. This brings down the revelation of the supernal will into the one thought. V'nikre reyasi and then we are called re'asi, parnesasi, and then we are called his sustainer. Kamashol ha'machol, just like food, she'goidem ispastus, ve'izchabrus ha'neshamu b'moyach, that causes the expansion of the soul into the brain. Umi sham and what does food do? Food causes first the connection of the soul to the brain, but from the brain it doesn't stop in the brain. From the brain it goes down into the heart, into all the limbs. maila so too it's as a result of our love of moyachen leiv, mind and heart. Reyasi, which is the heart, Ketirtza, which is the desire of the mind, the Nimshach draws from above Gili Oiren Soif B'Chachma. It draws the Oiren Soi first into Chachma, and, from, and 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 then into Bina as well. Chachma is called Moach, and Bina is called lev. Even though Bina is also a, a faculty of the mind, but it's the root of the emotions of the heart. That's why it's called in the Zohar. In, in, uh, in the Zohar it says, Bina liba, Bina is the heart. Bina Once you link it up with Chachma, automatically then into Bina, which are two friends that don't separate, then you have a complete manifestation of the orange self invested in all of creation and in all of existence to sustain the worlds. So now once the light is infused in Chachma, Once it's infused in Chachma, and who is that? In the highest level, which really also means in the greatest tzaddikim, who are nishamas are like the brain, from there, once they have the connection in their brain, Godliness, Hashem is manifesting in their, in their nishamas, they will channel it already to all the souls of Israel. That's like the... It will go even to the rest of the souls of Israel, even those that are considered defeat. It's like if a person eats, it's not just that you feel, Suddenly you feel, sometimes you feel like weak in your mind, your brain is like dead. And then when you eat, you suddenly feel strength in your mind, but then you also, from the, the re- rejuvenation of energy in your brain, you have rejuvenation in your heart, and then you even have rejuvenation in your feet. You have strength to walk, to go, to run, you know, do things that, you know. and if, and if you're weak and knocked out, you're just you're schlepping your body like if it was not working. But the main thing is to get it into the brain and the next, and it's also very important to get it down to the heart. That's the, that, once you spark it at that, from there, it already like enlivens the rest of the body. When you eat, and as we said before, you strengthen the brain through the food, and the chayas of the nefesh and the life force is drawn into the brain. Then it's already a spash. It's from the mo'yach to all the limbs of the body. It goes down even into the feet. Now you have power to lift your feet up. And you're able to put your whole body, you're able to stand up. Or else you're like you're laying, you can't move. Now you're able to stand the person up on his feet. And then a person is alive. And when you're alive, then the head and the feet are completely synchronized. So the energy that's in the brain is what? The energy that's in the brain is what? Is energizing the feet as well. Gets down to the bottom. Also, when you have an ache in the foot, you bang your foot, it it hurts the brain. So that they're deeply connected. It seems like that when a person is kind of like out of it, then even their aches and pains of their legs are not felt so much in their brain. It's like the more alive there is, the more ischabr says, boom, you feel. Okay, pain, it's painful, It's not but at least you feel, you're alive. What would also work is that the more energy there is infused, the more that tzaddikim feel the pain of the simple people and their struggles and, and their hardships because the feet are connected. When the oirin soif is mislabish and clothes itself in chachmiylo, avin nikra avinu. He's called our father. Ki Kichachmiylo nikra abba, because chachma is called father. That's called avinu shebashamayim, our father in heaven. Yisrael mefarnesim yidn bring parnasa how through our desire of our mind, beginning in our mind. Creates the hamshacha of the abishter into the mind above, and from there, throughout, especially if it creates a desire in our heart as well, draws God down into Bina, into the heart. As he says, Vaha tzadikim nikroem bonov, and the tzadikim are called his children. You are children to God. kibro kara the, the 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 child children are the feet of their father who pranas ragal which is the ragal of ima shakosal passing for arata de imragli u kishan islabish eurin seif baro khub makshavilla and when eurin seif is mislabish in the supernal thought masay mispashit v'nimshach ba pranas then he's drawn down into the feet as well kamarch kamasha onorayam like we see shaha makshav venimshakh ba ragal that the thought gets drawn into the leg to turn the leg, wherever the leg, wherever the brain wants. Wherever the mind wants, the feet go automatically. It's when the Oren Seif is first invested in the Supernal Chachma. Then he's called our Father. What does that mean? Piddish. Now it's the opposite. This that God is called the sustainer, that He is mefarness, He sustains the souls, that He is drawing His Chachma and His Ratzon into into the Neshamis that are called feet. What He's saying is like this: It's interesting. We first have to sustain our Father. Once he is sustained, then he is, then he is called Avinu, our father, then he sustains us. Because the brain sustains the legs. We're the ones who have the power to initially make the contact of, of the orange self with, with the Moichin, that comes from us. Through our, desert, through our yearning of the heart, or yearning of the mind creating that that facilitating that bond connecting making that connection once that connection is, happens already then he becomes avinu and he becomes Royenu parnesenu, like we say in benching okay Avinu our father Rau our sustainer because once it's in the brain the brain now when he says the brain gives life to the feet it's not just that the f- brain gives light for the feet in feet things the brain, allows the intelligence to go down into the feet as well. That the feet should be intelligent feet. In as much as the feet can be intelligent. To act intelligently. To walk intelligently. And so on and so forth. So what he's saying is, once there is life force in the brain of Illa and it's filled with orange saif, that Chachma is going to trickle down to the feet, which means it's going to bestow Chachma to us. where the feet. It's going to bestow and infuse chachma into the people, into the into Israel, to the souls of Israel, and rutzal, and desire as well. That means desire to be alive, desire to be connected, desire to be a Jew. So it's 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 symb- 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 symbiotic. Is that the word? Something like that? Because it's to, it works in two. It it works. In, 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 as a cycle. In other words, we generate through our desire initially. Then it's drawn into Chachma. That itself infuses more desire and more Ratzon into into the Nishamas and it works back and forth. That's the meaning of Paseach. Once the Abishter is vested in Chachma, Chachma is called a Yud. Chachma is called a Yud. We you know Yud, Yud is Chachma. But Yud is closed. It's a tiny dot. Then we say Paseach as Simply it means you open your hands. The deeper meaning, you open up your yud, which is chachma, and you satiate to every living being, that's every neshama, you fill them with desire to be alive, desire to be Jewish, desire to be connected, desire for a mitzvah, desire for, for prayer, desire for godliness. That the desire of God and the desire of the Tzadikim should merge together. To the point that they're so infused with God's desire that they have no desire of their own, only what the Eberster wants. So it's interesting, he's referring to the Tzadikim as defeat. And what are the regular people? The regular people are the feet of the feet. So eventually some of this trickles down to the ordinary folks. The will of... In other words, when we say, <laughs> our desire and his desire should meet, means two ways. That we become hollowed out from any other desire. And all we have is only a desire for what he wants. That means our desires become like his desires. But it also works the opposite. When we have, when the tzaddikim have a desire, God does what the tzaddikim wants. So he also, in other words, we, we, we merge together as become completely one. So he, our desire is his desire, and his desire is our desire. And it usually works that way that those people who have completely given up on any other desire but the desire of God, then those people, God too gives up on all of His desires for their desire. Even though they have no other desire but the desire of Hashem, but somehow. The emphasis over here is the main point is that we have to first get Hashem down already, however, to become a vinu, to become our father. Once he's in that state of descending into Chachma, from there it's already going to merge into the rest of the body. And that's why we're asking God in the passage, look down from heaven. Where do we care from? God is looking down? Let him look down from wherever. What's the emphasis? Look down from heaven. Because Shemayim means Shamayim. there there is water, that's Chachma. We want Hashem to look from Chachma. Because once he's vested in chachma, like we explained over here. Now, that's the meaning of reyasi. Reyasi, as we said, spoke earlier, has two meanings. Reyasi means my sustainer, and reyasi means my beloved. And as we learned earlier, how do we sustain through our love? But we didn't. Ex- but now the Rebbe says, the Alter Rebbe says, well, the pasuk says, Hiyafa, you're beautiful. This one who is rayasi is beautiful. So we have to say that our love, not only that there is love, but that the love is beautiful. What's the beauty of the love? What's the beauty of this love that sustains? What's its beauty? So the Rebbe is going to explain over here is when the love is not just love, but when the love is colorful. And the love is, is multifaceted. That's, what it, that's when it's beauty. Because beauty comes from multi from 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 a blend. Pidish Kemoy l'amata begashmi is just like below in the material world. Iker ha-yoithi v'hanoy the main beauty. Hu betziu gimel gavanim is when you have at least three colors coming together, then you have beauty. Yach she'azu iker ha-noi v'hatiferes that's the main beauty. Beauty is when things are interwoven into connection. Vemderach klal gimel gavanim, and in general there are three colors: lovan, white, adom, red, v'yaroik, and green, or yellow. Shkasha them the klal when they are put together as a yatsi or novah umuhuder, that's when it's really nice. Mashaik and gavin lovan lavaday if it's just white, it's nice. Or gavin adom lavada if it's only red doesn't have the perfection of beauty Gavin so, lovon. so now we have to say that we have this color in these colors inside of us the whiteness of that's our midah of love and kindness to love God him that's the whiteness of the soul because love is like silver and silver is a whitish color even though it's silver color but I don't know why white compared to gold which is reddish <speaking in Spanish> which is silver because the word kesef comes from the word kisufin. Kisufin means longing like it says you've longed you're longing to your father's house who and him, which is white and elsewhere it's explained elsewhere it's explained that this is the natural love that is rooted in every single one of Israel why is it compared to, to the color of whiteness why white? because white is not a color white is the essence other colors are already adding a dye the the natural state before the color not the dye is this whiteness whether white might be more clear over here in the sense of clear color like water is white in the sense that it's clear maybe that's what he means that's this whiteness so what's the emphasis we're dealing with love over here that's not the love is the soul is a being of love strip the soul down and remove all the all the coverings, you'll find a being your being that's that's drawing to its source, that's longing for its source. That's the natural love. And that's why the love that's in the soul is called <speaking in> white. <Hebrew> Ava always this love. Shu <speaking in Hebrew> it's from the essence of the soul I mean it's not it's not something that's created through through reason, explanations, intellect. it's higher than what can be grasped and understood. But then that's the love, but that's not beautiful. In order for this love and this longing to have an element of beauty, So So one has to lower himself down you also have to, meaning the love has to be accompanied by a feeling of a feeling of loneliness which is a certain harshness which is the redness red is so a person has to have self-judgment and it's one thing just to feel close to God and wonderful, but it's another thing is to to scrutinize oneself and to realize that there is still a lot that needs to be fixed. And that feeling of it causes a certain humility and a a, a pulling back. The love is, a, is an attraction. And the, this feeling is a feeling is that I'm not that I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy to be in this relationship. Which causes the fear? Who am I to love and to come close to this Tashem? It says, "The heavens are my are my throne." This is the redness. That's in the soul. Which is, comes from the element of gevura. Like I saw today, Rabbi Melech of Luzensk used to make a cheshbin. One time Rabzusha came, the saintly Rabzusha of Anapali, and he met his brother Rabbi Melech. And, he, and Rabbi Melech was in the middle of a very intense cheshbin um, anafesh. Accounting. And basically he came to the conclusion that he's not getting, that he doesn't deserve one iota of Ganeidin. That, he, that he's not worthy of even finished. But he took to calculate, this time he calculated, based on all of his deficiencies, that not only Ganeidin, but even Olam Haba, which is what we say, Kol Yisrael, Yashlam that's Tchias Amesim, and that, Everybody but lemelach based on, and he really f- believed that he really brought him. He really saw himself as so unworthy that if every Jew has a hand, not him. Okay, so Reb said to him, "It says by vahemen b'ashem he believed in God." By Avraham Avinu this week in the parsha, vahemen b'ashem he believed in God. Vayachshaveu loy tzadka. And it was counted as a, a tzedakah. So he said, the meaning is that Avram Avinu believed in God, that even Avram Avinu felt also he's unworthy completely for anything. He said, okay, the Abishta will hopefully take care of me with pure tzedakah. Tzedakah, you give to someone that's not worthy. Ooh, Saruba so Melech got very, very happy. He says, ah, oh, yes, satisfied me. It's amazing how you can have these sadikim. They're so pure. They're so holy. They did tshuva even for what the tiniest little thing they did when they were a baby. Like Ramelech, burned his hands because he he once saw his grandson hid his mother. He once saw his grandson hid his his daughter, his mother. Ramelech got very upset, and he like. Looked at the kid and says, "A shlugging not mama, you're hitting a mother." The kid was maybe a year old. So his mother says, I want to, So his daughter said to him, and or his wife, "And what did you do when you were a baby?" So then he thought about it. He must have done that too. So he went to the to the oven. He put his hands down. Literally, burnt his hand for the tshuva. Then he did. And then he actually he had a, a miraculous refuah that happened. But he needed a ticker. So it's like if there's any, and yet these people, because the problem is, the thing is, when we have, when we don't appreciate and don't have zero understanding of who we're dealing with, who the relationship is with, and all the infinite kindness that the Creator has done for us all the time, then we can sometimes think, oh, I deserve, it. I deserve to have. A, from all the good that I've done, I should should be dealt a better life. I should be getting something nicer than I have. The tzaddikim that have a true sense of the divine, they really, truly feel their utter worthiness, worthlessness, and lack of, and feel completely deficient in everything, in all their Yiddishkeit, in all their mitzvahs. They're actually embarrassed with the way they serve God. That's part of what makes them beautiful. It's not just their fire. It's, their, it's not just their whiteness. It's the redness. That's the Yitzchak. Yitzchak felt that way all the time. Avram served Hashem with love. Yitzchak served Hashem with awe and fear. And felt always unworthy. As he says, That comes from Gevura. Gevura means you're criticizing yourself. You criticize and criticize. and uh, These are the two levels of Avram, the one who loves me, and the dread of Yitzchak. Then there's a third color. And the third color. This is the, the medium which is the green or the yellow, which is in between the white and the, and the red. This is the third midah. This is Yaakov Avinu, whose, whose way of serving God was through the attribute of compassion. To evoke compassion on a soul. In other words, love means I'm attracted. I feel a powerful desire to connect. Fear means who am I? Even stepping over here. just What do you think? Like, you're, 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 you're filthy, you're dirty, you've made so many mistakes, you're, you have these whatever... And then comes Avinu and says, No. So if that's the case, this your pitiful state. It's the Sunday. You feel tremendous pity for for your low and that it and that, that allows you to, to um, entertain the love. You're allowing yourself to entertain the love because you feel such compassion it's on for yourself of, because of how low one is as long as you're criticizing, it's like, it's like the, the father that's criticizing the child very, very much. First there's love. Then the child does something, the father is being very harsh. Then the mother comes in and the mother says, <sighs> So she evokes the mercy. When she evokes the mercy, so you can bring the child back into the, into the loving embrace. So the mercy See, the mercy, when the mother evokes the mercy or when the, 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 the compassion, it's not countering the criticism. Criticism is criticism. Did something wrong. He needs to be punished. And the child is crying, and the mother says, look at me, feels so terrible. It's not like I'm contradicting and saying it's not true. So therefore, Rachamim includes the, the Gevura. It embraces the Gevura. doesn't deny it. In the lovey-dovey relationship, it's just love. God loves, I love, everybody loves. So then if there's anything bad, we don't see it. It's all love. You're looking with the critical eye. You see the deficiencies. You see what's lacking. You see where improvement needs is needed. And why. And then you can point out whatever is you know, seriously not been done to improve and therefore don't deserve to be close to God. But then you realize how... how pitiful is a state, is how pitiful is a being who cannot be in a relationship with God. So you're not ignoring the faults. With the faults, it's a Rachmanus. And that Rachmanus allows to bring the deficient being into the relationship and into the love. Then, to evoke mercy on oneself. So that, and, and it's interesting. And the rachamim is really taking in the mercy, in, in the case, and the spiritual compassion. It's taking in both the chesed and the gevura. Because on the one hand, you're, you're, you see the greatness of God. So that's the chesed element. God's greatness is without an end. And at the same time, And one contemplates the descent of one's soul. From being so high, so godly, and finding myself in the situation where I am now. This will evoke the the mercy. It's a mumutza between the chesed and the gavura. It's the medium. This, that is mercy, gets, gets warmed up. It says, even the feeling itself is a feeling of, there's a feeling of kindness, but the fact that you're getting heated, it causes a, a very warm, I guess, intense feeling that intensity is kind of the intensity of gevura. It's an interesting idea. But it's, its 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 general direction is towards love. Love is cool. Is in the sense compared to the gevura, it's it's mellow. Gevura is intense, and rachamim has the intensity of gevura. Directing towards the 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 direction of 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 Chesed. So now now the Alter goes back. One Mida, if a person only has one emotion, one 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 element in his service, it's not beautiful. Only when you have all three together, all three through all three together, one can be a, a mover. Higher and higher. And see, now that Rebbe says, and we see that, that, they, that this has been embedded in our Davening. In our Davening, Hashem has, I mean, the, the David HaMelech has already put into Davening all these experiences. Part of Davening speaks about, is there to stimulate the love, greatness of God, and so forth part of davening looks at our lowliness you know when we find it I'll give an example in Kippur or Shoshana we put ourselves down very much during davening in addition to shamlo Luba if during an Asana tokev we say Atahu Melech you are so great b-b-b-b. then we say and we are a bunch of losers a bunch of this a bunch of this we're here for a couple of years then we go into the dust and we speak all soul we put down the human being so so much so you have the but even in daily davening you have psukim that evoke love Pesukim that evoke trepidation and fear and pullback. And Pesukim that evoke mercy and compassion. And that's Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov embedded in davening. Cholam, Midas ha'elu, betefilo, they're all there in davening. Ki tefilo is ovais tiknon. The tefilos were instituted by our forefathers. Shem Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, which Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Shem makaragimu midas'elu, they are the source of these three midas. Ye mepnei kach kolam, midas ha'elu, chagas, Isa Filois Since Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are the source of prayer, they've put their energy into the davening itself. Shetiknuah of its canal. They infused their nature, their 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 soul into our davening. and that's what we say: Yaakov, who has redeemed Avram. because we said earlier when someone is working on love and they get blocked by suddenly the feeling of unworthiness, which is a proper feeling. But it, let's say it overwhelms them and doesn't allow them to proceed with the love. Because the Yitzchak is blocking the Avram. So now you need Yaakov to redeem the love again. How? By saying, hey, isn't it a pitiful state? Shouldn't we have mercy and allow him in? <laughs> Because the love without Rachmanes Shumidas which is the mid of Yaakov, is not considered beautiful. If you have all three of them, then it's beautiful. Then you can go higher and higher and higher. Look in that, Meyer. This is all three: love, fear, and mercy. Just like down here, when you have a blend of coloring, it creates, it creates beauty. Now all of this, it says twice in the Pasuk. Behold my beloved, behold my sustainer, you are beautiful. But then it repeats it again. You are beautiful. Your eyes are like, are dove-like. What is the repetition of the second? you're beautiful again. What's that? The first one is pchenas nasa. Remember we said, we said one is keneged nasa and one is keneged nishma. One oh, corresponds. nasa, means something that we do. So he's giving a deeper meaning into nasa than nishma. Nasa means we will do. Nishma means we will hear but the deeper meaning of Nishma means we will receive. Because when you're hearing something, you're receiving. Nasa means we will create ourselves. Nishma, we will hear. So he's saying like this in our emotions, in our being Re'asi, in our being the Abishter's bride. And as we said before, it's dependent on these three emotions primarily love. But in order to support the love, you need the, the humility that comes from the Gavura. And you need the picker up, upper that comes from Yaakov that enables us not to get stuck in the humility and in the and in the and in the self-criticism, but to be able to move forward. And that's how we can carry further and further. Which is what, which creates this entire bonding between Hashem and the world, sustaining and, and the whole glue between God and creation is this love, and this power. But this is all Naset. This is all that we create. It takes work. It's our work. How do we create it? Through meditation. Through medita- meditative prayer. Through davening and thinking. If you don't think and you don't put in your mind to it, you won't feel anything. It, especially, as we said earlier, if you want to get it from the desire of the mind to get to become the burning uh, uh, rayasi, It shouldn't only be tirza It should be reyasi. It has to be in the heart. It takes work. It takes labor. But here's the beauty. Once we do the work and we put in an effort to to reveal these three emotions, then we experience a downloading of higher emotions into our soul. And those are Hashem's chesed Gavura, teferes, Hashem's love, and Hashem's Gavura, and Hashem's compassion descend upon the soul and suddenly we start loving God with an with a infinite love, with a divine love, not with a human love. Our love to Hashem now becomes, our love to the Abishter now becomes on a level that's purely divine. That's beautiful through our doing of the year of with love and fear and mercy and to to cleave to him a to nullify one's will, for God's will, to be nullified completely, to eradicate our desires, all we want to have is Hashem's desire. But the second The second one is much greater than the first one. We're holding on the second page, right on the top under under where it says Yudalid. On the second page, turn over, the second line. If someone comes to purify himself, they get a lot of help from above. If someone comes to purify himself and make himself holy. What's the assistance that comes from above? Now amazing thing happens. The supernal emotions of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov up there—they are drawn down. Not the Yisrael down here. The Yisrael up there, Israel, that in you I I asherbucha espar. In you I make myself beautiful. That's the Yisrael up there. You've 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 ministered over divine powers, kechasan yechayin P'air, like a chasan, like a like a like a groom, yechayin who who officiate. I'm not sure yechayin. I'm not sure what the word yechayin is. Vepeir with with splendor. Basically, the hash, the midays that God has lecha Hashem Hagadula. He's the chasan. L'cha Hashem, Hagdulah vaHagvura To you, God, is greatness, gavura and teferes. Uknessas Yisrael, and that's Him. We knessas Yisrael are the recipients of His light. Uknessas Yisrael, high nushim mekabel es me mepkenas Yisrael deleila. And knessas Yisrael means we are koines, We absorb Yisrael. Yisrael is the is the Yisrael Hashem B'chayas is the is the divine splendor. And that is channeled into us. That's the second beauty. What does that mean? That means after the beauty that is produced through our Hizboininus, to coming to love and to fear and to, and to compassion, the neshama is now suddenly gifted with a divine love. That, and, and now you're loving God, not with a human capacity, but with an infinite capacity. And the same is with all the other Midas. how the Abishter shines his midos into us. We'll skip the parentheses for now, because uh, so this that. what does it mean? And it says on this, it's about uh, eight lines. This that it says your eyes are are the eyes are dove-like. But, but regarding to the second yafa, it's like a pair of doves. One is male and one is female. And in the, cave, the female receives the hashpa from her male partner. The same is also above. God is compared to a groom. The Knessus Yisrael and the Jewish people, is compared to a bride. And there we recall the recipients of a Baruch Now one of the things about doves is that they, they are the lovebirds. They, they can sit and look at each other for hours. So he's explaining... The dove, the dove-like, inayich, your eyes are the eyes of the dove, is an amazing thing. Is at our end, we looking at God. Looking at God means that no matter what we see, we're looking for the divine that's within it. And not for the divine, for the divinity. We're not looking externally, superficially, to see the the Gashmias of it, the material of it, but we're looking, we're penetrating and seeing the Echad that's in it. As he says, And everything you can see how Echad is nothing but Him. and He is one, canal To the point that we see nothing but Him, so therefore we have no other desires but Him. This means your eyes are, are like dove like the greatest pleasure for the doves is to look at each other. They delight in looking and seeing each other, and looking and looking deeply at each other, and gazing at each other. They have great pleasure. So too is Canaas Yisroel enjoy and take pleasure in, in gazing at the beauty of the king and the splendor of the king. And in everything they're looking, they're able to see that there's nothing but him. Eye to eye. Yiru they will see. What does it mean, eye to eye? Because when we are training our eyes to see in everything only God, and only a lucus. Everything we see is only revealing godliness to us. Then we receive Hashem's eye looking down to us. What does that mean? Ki ayin arisha in the first eye, you It's our looking from below. The abeiz, and the second eye, huashpal melmayla. Is the hashpah from above. Lirois ayin baayin. To see eye to eye. What does that mean? That we begin to see with divine eyes. Just like we come to see, we come to be seen. The eye of God is to those who fear Him. Those who hope for His kindness. And what does this cause? It saves us from death. The Pesach says, We say in Shabbos Davini, to save them from death. What does that mean? What he's saying is like this. The very fact that a soul is in a body, even if we are very devoted and dedicated to mitzvahs and to serving Hashem, there is always chas fasholem, the ability, the the possibility of a person making slipping and falling because the human is still a frail entity that there's no assurance on him. You know, we never know where we can where we can mess up. Once we we merit ein Hashem. Once we met her, that God's eye, Hashem is looking at us, that, that eye that's looking upon the person, saving the person, me from death. What does that mean? The Hinek it says in the Passover, her feet go down into a place of death. It's referring to the Shekhinah, and therefore it's referring to all of us because we're all part of the Shekhinah. In the it means that sometimes the Shefa from God descends to the chambers of Eclipus. So like it says, God says, look, I gave before you today life and good, and death and bad. Choose, choose life. Is a sign that we can choose the opposite. And when we choose the opposite, it causes the Shechina also to give life to that which is the opposite of life. Through waiting for His kindness. He will save us from death. This is called nafsham, your inner life. It shouldn't go down. I've washed my feet. Because it says two things in the Pasik. In other words, once... Here's the thing. It seems like, again, again I, said, I said earlier I didn't get a chance to learn this well, but for what I'm seeing now, it seems like as a result of the second Hinech which means Knessus Yisrael becomes a recipient for the divine emotions, that kind of creates a stability in our service that we don't have to be afraid that we will fall. Because there's something godly anchoring. And as a result of that, that there won't be even a tiny slip into klippah, into that which is negative. And why does it continue? It says, to enliven them during a time of a famine. Connected to this week's parish as well. Because Avram went down to Mitzrayim to be sustained during the time of the famine. So what's this famine? The enix, if it says in the Pesach, it says in the pasuk, man does not, is not sustained only on bread. So bread is Torah, called bread, as we learned many times. Because Torah is made out of wheat. I'm sorry. Bread is made out of wheat. And wheat is chita. Chita is 22, the 22 letters of the Torah. Oh, so that's Bread inyan Oh, but the Pasik says, lechem lavadeh, not only on bread the person will live. That means not only on what you are doing to sustain yourself spiritually, it's not only the Torah that you're learning, the mitzvahs that you're doing. That's the naseh. that's our effect. that's lechem. Your life force as a Jew is not only what you are producing. But rather, what's coming out from the mouth of God, and what's coming from above, you're not you can't live only on the Naseh, you also have to live on the Nishma. Nishma is, I will receive. The say once you're why do I need Nishma? No. Nishma is God tapping Hashem topping off your tank with godly energy, more than, much more than anything you can produce, even when you're doing everything perfectly. That's the it's, second Yafah. The first Yafah is Benasseh. What does he mean by that? Ah, because when you're learning in Limuda Torah what this means is in Limuda Torah what this means in the learning of Torah means that you're cogniz- you're, you're cognizant you're, you're, you're aware you're, 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 you're conscious while you're learning Torah that while you're saying these teachings Hashem is saying it and you're just hearing His teaching. That's what it means. Hashmi la'azbuchal. Let yourself hear the words that are going out of your mouth. Don't just say it. Hear it as it's being uttered by the Divine, by your Divine counterpart, which is your Divine source, which is the Abishter, learning along with you. And then you're going to be hearing Divine Torah. And then, and then, You're not just living off the bread, which is the human Torah that you're learning, but off the Divine Torah, because then the words that you're saying is words coming out of Hashem's mouth. It's Hashem's words that He put into your mouth. My, my, my mouth is only answering after you. To them in hunger. To enliven them in hunger to enliven them, bara from your hunger. What does that mean? <laughs> the other part of the map at least i looked today to this i didn't even look <laughs> I don't understand this first Peter but let's go to his second one which is more related to what we were learning earlier more than that we can say to enliven them in in hunger it's the idea of Yom Kippur we're not eating so we're not we're kind of if we learned earlier in the Mimer what did we learn earlier? That food gives us life. So if Yom Kippur we're not eating, it's a lack of life. Yet it says La that Hashem sustains us in hunger. That in Yom Kippur we're not we're not living off food. We're living. Off. Papash this Yom Kippur okay twenty four hours you can live without food. So you're kind of it's kind of I. I don't want to say but semi dead. There's a lack of life Yom Kippur you're weak. No it's not the case. The Abishter enlivens us in the hunger itself. How? We're being sustained through the hunger. Why? Because when we're not eating, we're receiving actually a much higher kind of a life. Why? We spoke earlier that what's the food? We spoke earlier in the Maimer that what's the food in our relationship with the Abishter? What's the food? So we spoke that through our ava, through our love to God, that causes this, right? Our love to Hashem causes the Ebrish to descend into Chachma. That's what we learned. Our love to God causes God's descent into Chachma, and that's the idea of like like, like like when eating, you cause the neshama to go into the brain, as we learned earlier. But that kind, but that what did we? But then what did we learn? That in addition to our love that we can produce, which is Nasa, there is a much higher love that's that's downloaded into our soul after we reach the capacity of human love comes a divine love. Uh, so that kind of sustenance, which is the second love, that's called lahachiosam Barov. means your 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 the attachment of the locust to the world to the cosmic body or a to your to your own neshama, is not only through the, your love that you're producing, which we said earlier is, is considered like the food, which is food is more chitzaynias alev, it's the external part of the heart. But this is a much deeper penimiyas digalev diga type of achayas. So that means like this, for most of us, we won't feel it on Yom Kippur, that we're physically stronger. But the truth is, for tzaddikim, for people that are entuned into the panimius olamais, Yom Kippur doesn't tire them out at all, at all, at all, at all, because they're mecambal. we are, It's true about all of us, but it's not felt so much in our bodies, because our bodies are not kalim for it. But the truth is, there is a, a, a attachment happening, brav in the hunger itself. So just like it is regarding Yom Kippur, that life is not coming through the ordinary um, power of life which comes through food but through a much deeper channel the same is in all year long not only on Yom Kippur there's two levels of this reyasi two levels of this um, sustaining element that there is in Knesset Yisrael one level is the love that we produce which as we said before causes an attraction of God but, but since it's being produced by us It's considered like like this chayus that comes from eating food, which is a chitzayni the gachayus, And then there is a much deeper type of a love, which as we spoke earlier in the Mimer, after we've davened and evoked through meditation, our ava from below, we're gifted with ava from above, and that causes again the attachment between us and Hashem, but on a much pneumistic level. But that can only happen after the more chitzainiyas connection, the more external connection. As he says over here, eating is where food becomes blood and it gets absorbed in the chitzainiyas of the heart. Just like we talk of fine that carbon is which is compared to this bread is only in the external mizbeach. Avol pinimiyas The inner part of the heart, hulamaylam abchene is beyond eating. K'moshikodin hamaschul b'yemashveni shalach. V'azenem alachios am berav to enliven them in hunger. to much deeper chayes. V'hai nu al yade ayin al ein hashem al Like we spoke earlier, it's God's eyes looking to us, His transmission of avav yira to us, not our love from below.